are more megapixels always more important? Just megapixels alone, though, absolutely not. This is episode number 10 of Let's Talk Retouching, the retouching and post-production podcast. I can't believe we already made it to episode number 10, what we did. And today we are interviewing a guest straight from the Big Apple. Let's welcome Erika Barker, photographer and retoucher from New York City. The show is brought to you by BoutiqueRetouching.com and also LearnPostProduction.com, a school about all things post-production, which will eventually launch somewhere in the future. So now let's get into the interview. Erica, let us know who you are. Hello, my name is Erica Barker, and I am a New York City fashion and commercial photographer. I focus on beauty photography as well. I got my start here in the city as a retoucher, and I've worked for all types of brands from Condé Nast to the NFL, uh, the National Football League for our friends in Europe, <laughs> and also to Macy's and uh, some major brands here in the city and uh, known across the world. So I've been doing retouching probably about since 2009 and 2009 i was terrible absolutely awful at it but it's photoshop wasn't even what it what it is now right 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 it, well i mean i i think I, if i had to use photoshop from 2009 i could still retouch pretty well but yeah i was just uh, starting off i was one of these people who thought you could really retouch well and lightroom by you know pushing some sliders and buying some packets and, you know, throwing on some filters and stuff. And now I have this firm belief. I'm like, there is no slider that will help you retouch. There is no, there is no filter that will help you retouch. It all comes down to the basics. Well, yeah, I mean, we can go into like the techniques used in higher end retouching usually are pretty basic. So you rely on really basic tools in Photoshop. And over time, it builds up to this complex work that you're doing and you're not necessarily have to rely on all the fancy features so you don't need all the filters in there you don't need all the adjustments in there but it comes to the craft of doing these basic tasks but doing them really well really fast and super efficient as well right yeah exactly and you know i open up photoshop and when i'm mentoring a young intern or somebody who's working for me it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed by just looking at everything in general. But I remind them, it's like, hey, this toolbar over here, I probably use about three or four tools from it at the most. You know, the filter menu, I probably use like two or three filters at the most, maybe four. And, you know, most of everything that the world that I live in in Photoshop is just the layers panel, adjustment layers and, you know, probably dealing with a few smart layers and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's just like, if anything, I tell people who are wanting to learn retouching, learn all of your adjustment layers, learn how blending modes work. And then once you've mastered that, then start learning how to master the brushes, you know, like uh, start uh, getting a good feel for how the brushes works. You know, does having smoothing on work for you? For, for me, it does not. I don't use any smoothing any of the techniques, I turn everything off. 
that's personally for me. But I've seen other retouchers, they have tricks that, you know, they, uh, for retouching skin where they tend to like having those brush features on. But that's personally for me. So I have a very simple workflow. And like I said, I, I live in the layers panel. Yeah. And I think a lot of people come with the expectation there is this magic trick involved in retouching. And they have this expectation of retouching to be something super special. So there are secrets, basically, that they want to learn. Then you have to tell them, no, there are no secrets. It's like super basic. You have to know about selections. You have to know about brushes. You have to know about the layers and a few filters. And then you can do basically everything. And that's been around for ages in Photoshop. So I can see why you're saying, like, I could retouch on Photoshop version 6 still because all the tools that you need have been in there by the time. So layers have been in there. You need curves, adjustment layers and blending modes. And then you can basically get around. Maybe might take some adjustment because one or the other feature is not behaving the same way as it is now, but you usually can work around that. And yeah, I can see. You know, there is, it's weird for me to tell people, it's like, well, the workflow is using simple things in Photoshop. However, the task of retouching is not simple. And the biggest thing that you have to learn is not so much learning the techniques of being a good retoucher, because you can know all the techniques, but is actually understanding how to good be a retoucher from an artist point of view. When it's too much, too much, how should I do this contouring to where it still looks decent and looks natural or looks slightly exaggerated? So it's, in a sense, you have to learn retouching by staring at other great work every night before you go to bed, because that's when your brain tends to absorb the best is before you go to bed. If you need to study for exams, study that's right true. before you go to bed. Like learning instruments, doing that before going to bed and oversleep, yeah. our brain is still processing information from the day. Yeah. And usually the most, what we did just before going to bed. Yeah, exactly. So what you do is you go into Pinterest, which is what I do, or you get yourself a maybe Vogue magazine or something. But in my case, I go to Pinterest and I build up this huge collection of all this beautiful photography that's been beautifully retouched. And I stare at it before I go to bed because words alone and tutorials alone cannot teach you how to have that eye, how to understand from a subconscious level. But you as an artist staring at other great art that you aspire to reach, that's how you train yourself on a subconscious level of what you need to be looking for and how you need to think and how much exactly of dodge and burn do you need to apply or how much colors do you need to throw into this color space. So that's the biggest thing that I would say that most people need to learn on. Even though they learn all the techniques, they're still not really good retouchers because on a subconscious level, they are not looking at other great work and like really trying to dissect it and understand why it is great work. Yeah, I figured the same. Like it's super easy to learn the technical aspects of retouching, the basic techniques that we're using and the tools that we're using. And it's easy to create tutorials on how to use the tools. You can look at it at a superficial level and it's super easy to use a brush and to paint on a mask but how you advance into making thousands of decisions while retouching the image is another thing because like you have to experience 
the behavior of tools and you have to be able to put all your thoughts into how you apply it instead of thinking of like how to use the tool basically and then you can think about the conceptual aspect of retouching instead of focusing on using the tool itself and that's what i think is the issue with tutorials sometimes uh, because it cannot get you to this point it's super hard to just explain it and uh, in just one sitting because you usually need a variety of examples to explain different aspects of color theory or like they, they go so much into it like as you said what is too much in terms of skin retouching and smoothing and you have to learn about like okay all the other things is like what you're actually working on is um like when you're working on makeup what looks good and what changes am i supposed to make if i'm not told do this or do this so you have to put in the work as a retoucher like figuring out okay what needs to be fixed and what needs some little enhancements to make it just a little bit better. Usually your client just comes up maybe with a markup and doing these super obvious things, but you're still expected to deliver more. And you have to know about makeup and you have to know about lighting and all that stuff. So you don't either mess up what the other team members have been working on and still be able to enhance everything as much as possible, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So. That also leads me to the question is like, it's not easy to learn retouching. Learning the tools is easy, but leading to professional retouching, it's not easy. So I want to ask how you got into retouching and yeah, what interested you in, in learning about retouching in the first place? Oh, well, originally I was in the military and I was a combat photographer. I've been in Iraq. I've been in Afghanistan, Guantanamo Bay. So I got my start into photography through photojournalism. And once I got out, there wasn't a lot of photojournalism work really, uh, you know, in the States. And also a lot of the news outlets are downsizing. They're like, oh, we can hire kids with phones. We don't need, you know, poets are winning photographers anymore. And, you know, they also don't want to pay for photojournalists anything. But if you work in the editorial and fashion industry, there's a lot of money in advertising. So I kind of went toward the money was, but also because I've always had a strong respect for creating beautiful work that's seen all over the world. And it motivates people to do some type of action. I mean, that's pretty uh, amazing feeling. I remember one time I had some work that was featured in Times Square of New York City. I can only imagine seeing that. That was amazing. That was like one of the most amazing things. And that was one of my first real awesome experiences where you know tons of people are seeing my work you know on the american eagle building so it was pretty amazing so the thing is now i got out of the military in 2009 i decided to go back to school to work on my master's degree and now i have to learn studio photography and something that i've noticed when i was looking i just was wondering wait how do these photographers who work for vogue who work for vanity fair who work for l magazine how do they get their skin to look so beautiful? And, you know, I thought it was actions that you could buy at first. I thought it was software that you could buy at first. And it took me a lot of money and being very hard headed, thinking that you can get these adjustment sliders and packets and Photoshop add ons <laughs> to retouch. And no, I started watching these time lapse videos on YouTube where people would actually record themselves 
retouching and, you know, very fast motion. So I the first one I found was Julia Kuzminko, who lives in L.A. She's like Russian, Australian. I mean, beautiful girl, insanely talented, really good teacher as well. But I saw one of her videos and I started dissecting it. You know, it's like, oh, wow, she's not really using anything other than the basics of Photoshop. So I started trying to learn and I was learning by watching all these time lapse videos from these amazing photo retouchers and breaking it down and breaking it down and breaking it down. And I saw one video where somebody was using compositing work and they used a mixer brush. And I was like, oh man, I could use this for frequency separation. Instead of going and creating like a, you know, blur layer or something like that, I can actually start smoothing things out and have a lot more control. So I kind of developed this technique using the mixer brush, which I guess is now called frequency separation (laughs) 2.0. I have no claim to that anymore. (laughs) Well, they came up with names all the time to market techniques and... So yeah, you're using like sometimes mixer brush in the frequency separation in between the layers. So what I understand is like for the listeners to explain it a little bit better, um, that's a way of setting up frequency separation is more or less splitting high contrast areas from low contrast areas, which will result in a layer that has more or less just colors in it and one that has super much of high contrast really little color in it and you can use this mixer brush in between to work on basically what appears to be underneath of the high contrast layer just to give a rough explanation about it it's pretty phenomenal like you have a model who's like kind of like let's just say like around her stomach area she's kind of like just bending over or something like that and there's like you know you get the skin folds you know, that's kind of hard to fix with just doing some rubber stamping. But if you go in there and do it with like the mixer brush, it's super easy to fix. But anyways, I'm sorry. Going back. Prior to me doing this, I've been using Photoshop since 1995. And I do have experience creating like compositing artwork. So you got introduced in using Photoshop years ago. Probably been doing a little bit of Photoshop while being in the military. And later on, you figured okay, there's much more to discover, right? Yeah, so, you know, my heart, I used to develop and build websites and then I just really got sick of doing that. (laughs) That's interesting because a lot of people don't know it, but I I come from working with printers and uh, doing technical support. And then I went to school for also doing web design and stuff like this. And then that was basically when I discovered like, I kind of like Photoshop a little bit more than just coding with Dreamweaver and stuff like this. So it's pretty similar to to how I got into using Photoshop more. Yeah, exactly. And for some reason, like, you know, anybody who's wanting to hire a web designer, you read the job description, it's like, you need to be a really great designer. They call them UX designers now. You need to know like five different programming languages. You need to know how to extract information from different databases. And we expect you to have five years of experience. This is a starting position. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it seems like now um, they want to hire a person for a job that usually is covered by a whole agency. Yeah. It's people being cheap. And, you know, I I think, you know, that's a huge mistake. I, I find like the most successful companies that I've worked for are when they have people who are really good at one thing working on that one thing only. 
and they have less problems and they're able to pump out much more work and it's quality work as well as opposed to the company that's trying to be cheap and hire this one person who knows how to do maybe a couple of things okay a couple of things somewhat all right and then everything else they're kind of new to but they're kind of hoping to learn as they pick up the job it's just too much for a human being to really enjoy and mistakes are going to happen that's going to get passed on to the customer and the customer is going to lose loyalty into your brand and that's how your business dies is because you decide to cheap out on the customer when you decide to cheap out on the employees true i see it the same in um, in terms of retouching when it comes to advertising so sometimes the advertising agencies they do not necessarily hire a professional retoucher. So they have designers working in the agency and they are often overwhelmed with all the tasks that are thrown at them. And you, it sometimes happens that at some point they cannot deliver what is expected. So they then have to outsource it to retoucher. And yeah, you like looking at the files and it's not their fault. It's just like how the company is set up and what they expect of just the designer. So they're not educated necessarily on the tasks Uh, that a retoucher does or how our workflow is structured sometimes. And yeah, for us, it's an easy job to, to do and it would be probably much more time efficient to, to outsource it in the first place. But they're like, okay, we expect everything of our design team and that's sometimes not, not really the best solution. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like for me working in New York, it took me years to really get to the New York level of retouching oh, and it took me many years of just making mistakes and just building up my eye and you know i started retouching in 2009 and uh, retouching all the way up now until 2018 and honestly there's work from last year 2017 where you know that's like was that like eight years that's eight years of retouching where now with my knowledge and experience i want to go back and fix a lot of that work because I see mistakes and there's techniques I didn't know just last year and you know changes in my workflow and that's like you know eight years is a pretty seasoned retoucher and you know that's that just lets you know and also it's one thing working in a small advertising agency and doing retouching what's another thing to work on national wide campaigns or working on beauty that is in la and, and uh, for cosmetic firms in la or in new york that are shipping worldwide so that's completely different expectations and also at the level of expectation or the quality of work that is expected is much quicker moving forwards than in working in smaller companies. So you might be fine in a smaller company and doing the same that was expected five or six years ago. And in these other markets, it's not working anymore. So you have to keep up with educating yourself and developing the eye where the trends are going and what's expected with these. And these photographers and retouchers, some of them, they're not going with the time and they're not advancing their skills and they that's maybe one of the reasons they might not be able to get the work they want to do or maybe they don't get the work anymore they used to so we always have to be looking forward and keep learning right right exactly and there's things i learn all the time in photoshop and i'm like can't believe i've been using photoshop this long and i did not know about this feature or i never thought about doing this specific technique this way so you have to put your time in the trenches in order to really embrace what it's like to be, you know, to retouch on an actual national or global campaign. 
Yeah, definitely. I always say like part of your business should be investing the time for educating yourself or if you are uh, hiring people also find the time and spend money on them for developing their skills. I think it pays off in the end, in the long run for you to sustain your business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you got into retouching, like moving to New York and being uh, a photographer for the military before, went to New York and then you got into retouching and had to discover these and spend time in developing your skills at first and then going into the market and getting your jobs for these major brands. So in which field of retouching you would say you feel or felt comfortable back then the most? I mean, you told you're still working on a lot of beauty and fashion. So how came it that you have been drawn into the field of beauty, skin and hair and all that stuff? So was there always an affection for these fields or? Yes, there was. I originally got my start in the city working for Macy's and they had a full team of retouchers and we were just pumping out stuff left and right. It was like really fast paced catalog retouching and they liked me and they wanted, they, they wanted me to keep coming back. And through them, I was able to network and find other jobs by the people who work there. And through working with these seasoned New York City professionals, they taught me a lot as well, going from job to job, working for everything from pharmaceuticals to the NFL, just being around all these people who had different techniques and different ideas and how to approach all these very sometimes difficult situations. Like how do you silhouette hair on a background that has a lot of changes and contrast and different colors? The guy at the NFL taught me that. How do you silhouette hair when it's on a blue background with uh, keeping all the integrity of the hair? Well, using going into your channels and trying to apply image or, you know, using calculations. Somebody at a pharmaceutical company, uh, well, a marketing company that did pharmaceuticals taught me how to do that. So what attracted me into doing beauty photography was that was originally the tutorials when I was learning a long time ago and practicing. That's what I started out with. I kind of uh, stepped away from it for a while, but for Stila Cosmetics, who I work with quite a bit, they're like my normal client that, you know, for first I started shooting products for them and then they wanted me to start shooting a model. So it was just time and place time and place and just coincidentally i started off doing beauty a long time ago it happens a lot with for julia i know um she started shooting beauty uh, faces and also these companies who are basically advertising their products they need product images and they need how the product is used and applied so it makes sense to either start with one thing and switching to also doing the other so it's a national progression when you're doing advertising And your client might not just have this one request, but they might start with hiring you for one part of the job, maybe. And then if they like your work, they might say, hey, would you also shoot this and this for us? So it might have put you on the line. It's like, okay, now I have to figure out how to shoot this, how to retouch this and all these things. And But it's also, yeah, we progress by putting ourselves in situations like these. Precisely, precisely. So... I came to New York. I had nothing. I moved here with two suitcases and a dream. Started off working some very humble retouching jobs. And, you know, I 
barely had any money in my bank account. And, you know, just a couple of years ago, I bought my own Hasselblad. Nice. I love these cameras. I've been able to work you know, with a lot of different amazing campaigns. So it all starts very humbly for everybody. So something that I've discovered I had to work on quite a bit was my ego. Because you kind of, I did have an ego with being in the military. It's like, oh, these are all civilians. They don't know what it was like. And also I've been using Photoshop since 1995. I'm like, ah, retouching. I can figure this out easily. I've been using Photoshop for years and years and years. Not so. Well, and then comes the moment when you discover, oh, there's actually more. And looking at other people's work and maybe noticing at that moment of time, you're maybe not able to deliver the same quality, right? And that puts you on the line. It's like you have to work on the egos. That's actually noticing, okay, this is where I want to go. And I still have to put a little bit of work. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine New York puts you down really quickly when you have an ego. Yeah, New York will tear you apart. And I imagine the same is for like any fashion well-known city, Berlin, Paris, London. This is where the big boys play. And if you're fragile, they'll, they'll tear you apart. And that happened to me. Fortunately, you know, I kept getting back up and get, uh, learning and uh, adjusting more. And now, you know, I get a lot of people who actually look up to me and it feels good to like share my knowledge uh, with other people. It's an amazing feeling that, you know, have like younger aspiring retouchers and photographers look up to you and you're able to share knowledge with yeah, them. And, them. you know, yeah. it, and all of a sudden they they have like better work than you do. And you're like, wow, that's really awesome. Yeah, that can happen. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it depends on how much time someone has. They can buy I mean, having more free time and dedicating all their time, they can basically jump over a full year that it takes someone else to learn all these while working on something else or while someone has to make money, right? So if people are in school and younger, they can maybe invest a lot of time if they really dedicate themselves into learning these and they can make quite some progress in a really short time. But the dedication needs to be there. And dedication is important. I have this friend of mine, he's a dancer. But uh, he went to FIT, the uh, Fashion Institute of Technology here in New York, which is a very famous school. He has this incredible photography portfolio, beautiful photography portfolio. He's a great retoucher. I think his portfolio is better than mine. But, you know, it's just like he's not taking the risk and putting in the time, uh, you know, really, really getting out there and like hanging out with people. It's just like, You know, you should probably take the risk of not doing dancing for like maybe two months, get hooked up with a, like a, a work agency and start getting like real clients underneath your belt. Like I did like Macy's and so on, because I mean, it's just, it's sad because there's a ton of amazing talent there. Yeah, true. But it's not just having the talent and taking good pictures is not enough to sustain a business model. So some people maybe are too comfortable in their situation and maybe that's just fine. So they can still enjoy the process and they maybe have trouble like handling the other situations. Maybe they are afraid of. It, that's exactly what it is. It's conquering fear as well, because yeah. every time I talk to him, he's always like, yeah, I want to get out of this nightlife and, you know, I start retouching. It's like, so do it. I mean, it's not easy. It's easy to say, just do it. But for some people, it's like this big wall they have to climb at first to just and, get there, right? And, you know, it's a myth. It's a mental wall because, you know, he can pay the bills 
doing freelancing work because he's so well conducted in the city. And that's another thing is being somebody who's nice and has a magnetic personality that people just want to work with you. I know a lot of people here in the city as well. They're they're okay retouchers, but they're not like super great, but they have such great personalities. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows this person and wants to hang out with this person that, you know, they never have a problem getting work. So, you know, it's it, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go into personality as well uh, with uh, being a good retoucher. I mean, it's it's business, no matter which which business you are, if you're a photographer, retoucher or doing something completely different. And you have to network, you have to present yourself as a good person to do business with other people, because if you're a douchebag, nobody else wants to work with you. Yeah, precisely. Or you just precisely. get this one job and your client won't tell you, they just won't hire you again. So <laughs> Exactly. So please do not wonder why this interview came to a sudden stop, but we ran into a few time issues, but we had continued our conversation and we will publish another episode. So... In this episode, you could get to know Erica a little bit better, what she's doing. And in the upcoming episode, we will get a little bit deeper into post-production. And I'm quite excited to talk with Erica about all these interesting topics. So that was it for today. See you in another episode.